Today is Monday, January 2nd, 2023. It's day 725 of the J6 political hostage crisis. I'm Mel Holly, and this is your Justice in Jeopardy update. There's five that are never Kevin, which hits our 217, which guarantee he loses. And then you have another that will require a motion to vacate, as well as some other stipulations that they've signed off on. Both members and then incoming members that are rep elect until tomorrow. And that's two, four, six, eight, nine. So we've added two in the last 24, actually 12 hours, basically. Uh, Not 12 hours, like the last 18 hours. Ivan Raiklin is with us today. Hey, Ivan, how are you doing? Hey, Mel, good to be here again. I love it. (laughs) You you did the best video of anybody, even though it hasn't gotten the views that are needed. I recommend everybody go back and go watch your Sovereign Souls. Maybe you should retitle it to say the Pence. I think you did. It's the Pence coup. Basically, it it proves beyond a reasonable doubt that he was complicit in a coup on January 6th of 2020 with evidence. Yeah, I would, right I'll definitely on. include this. Uh, a link to that in the description of this. Of this. Um, so tell us what you got going on now. Well, now we're going to basically showcase how Kevin McCarthy is a traitor because he was complicit with Mike Pence, as well as Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer. Those were the five seditious conspirators of January 6th that conducted the coup. And that's why that's one of the reasons why he must not be the Speaker of the House. And that vote's going to be on January 3rd at noon. The first one. Yeah, they're probably going to be like, you know, 130 of them or something, right? Well, the maximum, I think, was 133. I'm not sure it's going to go that far. But here's my recommendation. My recommendation for President Trump, if you're listening in or anybody in his ecosystem, is that, um, you know, you're going to have five members of the Freedom Caucus that are going to block Kevin. And then he's going to probably try, you know, the Uniparty is going to force him into going for a second round. And before that second round starts, President Trump needs to put out a statement saying, now that Kevin McCarthy got his shot that I recommended that he get on an interview that President Trump did, right? a couple of weeks ago on Breitbart to give Kevin McCarthy a shot at the speakership. It's clear now that he doesn't have the votes after that first round. And for that reason, President Trump should consider pulling back on his endorsement of Kevin. And then in that same statement, say the following, Kevin McCarthy needs to back out of the race. And then a person should step forward that can get 218 votes to do the following nullify the first impeachment, nullify the second impeachment, go after the truth of November 3rd, go after the truth of January 6th. Maybe it's Cash Patel as the sergeant at arms, right? For whoever eventually is going to be the speaker. Uh, go, go after the origins of the CCP-19, all the downstream activity of the medical fraud and tyranny that occurred. Uh, go after the Chinese Communist Party in general, and then also have First Amendment reinstatement with big tech. So that's kind of the components that need to happen as well as impeachment of Biden and Harris. And then lastly, a 12th Amendment reinstatement after all that evidence is showcased to the entire world to hear and see on C-SPAN 1, 2, and 3. Elon Musk is going to continue to air his Twitter files, and then we'll amplify that on Truth Social, on Getter, on Telegram. And if no one in the Republican conference, uh, if they can't find anybody that can get to 218 votes in that second round, then President Trump should say, uh, if, if it would help uh, anybody, should I get the support of 218, then President Trump should basically avail himself to say, 
I would accept the speakership, but only temporarily to address everything that I just mentioned. Why, why do you think that, that, that Trump is backing mm -hmm. him? I mean, why do you think that happened? What, what's that all about? I just don't get it. Well, as Matt Gates put it, uh, personnel and HR wasn't President Trump's strong suit when it came to politics. And the reason behind that is can't lay all blame on President Trump. I'd rest the majority of the blame on that HR. Uh, let's just call them what they are. Uh, not quite up to par using golf terminologies. Uh, it's because of Mike Pence, right? Mike Pence was the vice president and he's the one that, uh, he, he was the blocking force of getting the truth to President Trump. And he was also the one manipulating data and information as it got to President Trump. And what I mean by that is uh, anything that would implicate the deep state, i.e. Mike Pence's lackeys, Jim Comey, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Robert Mueller, or even Christopher Wray, he blocked that from President Trump or even Rod Rosenstein. And then in the instance of, you know, 15, was it two weeks to stop the spread when Mikey Pence was up there uh, on the daily COVID, uh, the CCP-19 task force uh, briefings, he was up there trying, essentially convincing President Trump of how of a darling Anthony Fauci was and Deborah Burks, right? Because they were all in cahoots to create a mechanism to not only defraud the entire country with a, uh, you know, with all these EUA products, but they gained from it, right? So that Pence would be the 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 standard bearer or the caretaker for the Uniparty because they would install him in 2024. So with that dynamic, because uh, you know, President Trump was not really steeped in the ecosystem of the individuals here in D.C., I just think that he didn't know who's who, and he only based it on the personal relationships and interactions that he had with these individuals, and he probably had a a decent uh, interactions with Kevin McCarthy. But as we know, after reading the 13 part series of Kevin McCarthy, the dude's a leaf. He's going to do whatever is necessary to lie, cheat and steal basically uh, to achieve his objective, which is the speakership. And I think president Trump is becoming more and more aware of that. But uh I mean, he's backed off on the endorsement, I'll tell you that, since that interview. Because, I mean, he, he's given the weakest endorsement to McCarthy that he's given to anybody. It was first, let's give him a shot. And then later on, on Wayne Allen Root, President Trump says, uh, or Wayne Allen Root asks him and says, hey, this guy Kevin's going to backstab you. He's stabbed you in the back before. And, and Trump's like, oh, yeah, I know, of course. If he stabs me in the back again, we'll have to fight against him. So it's not like he's very fond of Kevin McCarthy. But the political, there, there's there's friction within his own camp of people. Some of them basically want him to not run because those are the Mike Pence people that are in his inner circle. There's others that are not as aggressive as necessary. And then you still have a few that literally want to have him become the Speaker of the House to then crush the commies at the DOJ, FBI, and DHS. And guess what camp that I fall in? I'm not saying I'm an insider by any stretch of the means, but I'm in the camp of it, go after the most offensive path to remedy our constitutional crisis. And the way I see that is a temporary speaker, Trump, for the entire world to watch what a true strong speaker can do to expose and body check that executive branch that's completely lawless.
Yeah, yeah. As, and as we know, Nancy Pelosi, when uh, she was vacating her spot, uh, you know, talked about how powerful a position she had as Speaker of the House. Massive. So the reason why you, you had Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy acquiesce to the $1.7 trillion steal of the American public last week, it's because in the event that there is a Speaker Trump, it takes away a lot of the power that a Speaker would have from now until uh September 30th, which is the end of the fiscal year, the government, U.S. government's fiscal year. And so the next budget would only apply starting October 1st of 2023. And, uh, and that was essentially the leverage that the Uniparty had over an incoming next speaker to be able to, you know, so that that, I mean, the reason why that happened, that's the amount of distrust everybody has over Kevin McCarthy. Not only does the Freedom Caucus not trust Kevin McCarthy, but the Uniparty doesn't trust him. And that's why they created, that's why they wouldn't wait for a, even if it was Kevin McCarthy, it literally took away that power from him because they, they, they didn't want to give it to him because he may have sided with uh, not their interests because he waffles on everything. You don't know where he stands. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned those, uh, you know, the, the advisors, those, those in, in Trump's uh, circle who, um, you know, kind of tell him what to do and, and keep him in this little bubble and protected, uh, you know, and, and I'd like to bring up uh, his own son-in-law, Jared Kushner. I mean, what, what do you think about, what do you think about him? I don't know. I don't believe I've ever communicated. I've definitely not talked to him. I know that for sure. I don't think I've communicated with him. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've communicated with him, but I'll say this. I've heard from many credible sources that when the CCP 19 task force was created, it was, and I think you can find evidence out there in the public's domain that it was, it was, uh, vice president failed vice president Pence that volunteered to become the CCP 19 task force. For those that aren't aware, the normies call it the COVID-19, right? White house task force basically the Wuhan flu cover-up task force, right? And uh, failed Vice President Pence is the one that volunteered to head it up. And the shadow governor of that task force was Jared Kushner. So a lot of the decision-making process on who was going to get the, the ventilators to kill people allocated to these governors, that decision-making process at the very top level was a coordinated effort between failed Vice President Pence and Jared Kushner. And then also the PCR testing, the face toilets, right? And then I would gather that eventually uh, into uh, you know, the early decision-making process on the rollout, I think the, the clot shot started in December of 2020. So it was at the tail end of the first term for Trump. And uh, as far as I can remember, uh, Jared Kushner and failed Vice President Pence were still you know, operating the White House CCP-19 task force and making all those decisions, which allocated resources and contracts for the distribution of all those EUA products. Okay. So then it begs the question, I mean, at the end of the day, those two are bear the responsibility on destroying the policies that they, and the top cover that they provided to Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks to go ahead and destroy the economy make the biggest transfer of wealth in human history from small businesses, close them down, and then go ahead and uh, make sure that people purchased all their, all their items from the big box CCP leveraged and tethered Amazons, 
Walmarts, you name it. So those are questions. I mean, they need to be brought under oath. And I get it that uh, he's the son-in-law, but you know me, Mel. I, I don't really care where the chips fall because truth is truth. And when people aren't responding to questions, uh, there's some there's smoke there, right? That needs to be addressed. Yeah, 100%. And, spe- oh, and the last point I'll make on that is when Mikey P in interviews lauds Jared Kushner as like in interviews, uh, as well as uh, Ivanka, I, I hate to go there, but it, it automatically raises a red flag for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. Um, and uh, in your in your list of things that that you want to see done, uh, you didn't mention an, an investigation of of what really happened at the Capitol. Uh, oh where- no, I've I've mentioned that all the time. So, but I maybe I didn't go in enough to, uh, sufficient detail. So here's, if I were the Sergeant at Arms, Mel, this is what I would do. And if I'm not the Sergeant at Arms, this is what I would recommend Cash Patel do. Okay, as the Sergeant at Arms for you know temporary speaker trump and then once the 12th amendment reinstatement happens because they're going to get to the truth and the house is going to actually conduct a lawful legitimate january 6th where there's a quorum instead of remember what we talked about there was not a quorum well there needs to be a redo january 6th joint session after january 20th or after 1 p.m on january 20th so that the reinstatement happens and then devin nunes takes over as speaker first order of business is going to be tomorrow is appoint the sergeant at arms releases the 14,000 hours of tape pulls back on the criminal referrals of the peaceful uh, J6 election inter- integrity rally goers both the, both those that were on the outside and for those that entered peacefully on the inside guess what they get their criminal referrals pulled back and then maybe laid with a $50 trespass fine right just like uh, the other folks did when they were protesting the Kavanaugh thing, right? Right, right. The other things that would need to happen then is after that fine would be paid of $50, uh, then they would be in a pool of candidates to be hired as part of the investigatory team for the Sergeant at Arms so that we can obtain and see and, and sift through all the evidence to really find out what happened on January 6th with the, with a precise focus, you know, since Mike Pence's J6 cover-up committee you know, did some investigating. Uh, and then also Jim Jordan and Jim Banks did the pre-buttal with their own investig- 150-page report. But what this uh, investigation is going to focus in on are areas that were not addressed, meaning Nancy Pelosi, the previous Sergeant at Arms, the Capitol Police Board, Nancy Pelosi's staff, her family, namely her daughter and her son-in-law, and their participation in delaying it, and not requesting support. Actually, let's back up. What was, why was the decision made to not allow executive branch support, such as National Guard, DOJ, right, uh, DHS, to defend the Capitol on January 6th? Why was there a pipe bomb placed at the DNC and RNC so that half of the US Capitol Police Force would go down there, thus making the US Capitol grounds totally sparse from, you know, to be able to defend anything? Uh, what coordination did Nancy, uh, those people mentioned, have with the D.C. mayor, the chief of police, the, uh, let's see, who else here, Michael Michael Voss, which is the son-in-law of Nancy Pelosi, John Sullivan, Ray Epps, 
And then all the other members that Ray Epps mentioned, he said that he was with other people that were at the front. Uh, when he, in his recent transcript, Ray Epps says what? I orchestrated it. Well, who did you orchestrate it with? Let's, let's bring all those folks in. Let's investigate. And then uh, we're, you know, let's get to the truth. And I think between the footage of the 14,000 hours, between the footage of all the Patriot uh, J6 defendants, I think we're going to easily get to the truth once we consolidate all of that. And that's when we need to lay criminal referrals. And again, the sergeant at arms uh, has, has some significant authority to be able to do that. And I think that's where that investigative path needs to lead us to fill in the gaps so that America can understand uh, that it was an actual coup d'etat that occurred, uh, spearheaded by Nancy Pelosi, and then at a minimum acquiesced to by maybe unknowingly, but likely knowingly by Mike Pence, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, and Kevin McCarthy. And then also when Mike Pence ordered the National Guard, or, or I should say the DOD around, uh, that was an unlawful order received by Mark Milley. Mark Milley knew it was an illegal uh, order and still executed on it. And then kind of just to wrap things up, uh, it was, it was a Nancy Pelosi deliberately did not request of President Trump National Guard support because she wanted that unlaw facilitated unlawful entry entrapment because she was probably hoping that President Trump would deploy troops. And had he done that, that would have been considered a coup, uh, but he didn't. And so instead of uh, entrapping him into deploying National Guard without the request of the Speaker of the House, which would have been unconstitutional, illegal, right, treasonous, he instead sat back and waited for Nancy Pelosi to do the request. And since she didn't, she then, you know, she and Mike Pence created the J6 cover-up committee to then make it look like, oh, Trump was supposed to do something and he didn't. Well, he couldn't. Constitutionally, he couldn't. And so all blame rests with Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy. And that's why they're fighting tooth and nail to make sure that he becomes the Speaker of the House. When I say they, the Liz Cheney's of the world, the Pelosi's of the world, they have to have Kevin McCarthy in office so that the cover-up can continue. And oh, that's absolutely. why we're going to have to yeah. block them out. Yeah, you know that they are they are running scared right now. <laughs> they really are. I it's love that. You just, you just kind of like the, the bright light went on and the <laughs> smile came on because you realize also that yeah. you know uh, the cockroaches are running scared because the light has just been activated, right? And yeah, I and I, I'm hoping that Twitter files will continue to expose that. Yeah, yeah, all of it. Yeah, and and so where can everybody read your your Substack? Yeah, so I made this Substack. Uh, it's essentially a 13 part series deep dive counterintelligence investigation of Kevin McCarthy, and then the last one that I just published yesterday is essentially the, the summary. And at the end of the summary, just like the J6 cover-up committee did, where it did the criminal referrals on President Trump, guess what? My summary has the criminal referrals on Kevin McCarthy. So he has six criminal referrals, six statutes, and it includes seditious conspiracy based on, now again, based on all the findings. You can find the, you know, you can read it through there. Uh, there's more to it than that, but that's essentially the summary. And if any of your listeners wants to have a you know, conversation, because I know you, you represent a lot of the, the J6 community. So 
uh, I'll put it out there, Mel, that if anybody reaches out to you within the community that wants a free free access to my Substack, uh, just let me know. I'll easily that'll be my uh, that's the least that I could do uh, for what they did to stand up for our constitution uh, on January sixth. So I'd be happy to. And that's that's, provide a, that's a, Ivan Raiklin. Yes. Dot Ivan Raiklin dot Substack dot com. Okay. Yep. Okay. Great. R A I K L I N. Okay. Great. I'll put that in the description as well. Um. So. So will we be seeing you on the sixth in in DC? Well, supposedly starting tomorrow, I'm gonna have to go on a diet for three days. Is what I'm hearing. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm gonna tell you about a fast. A fast can be anything you want it to be. So a fast does not have to be you don't eat. A fast can be. You know, I'm not going to have any dairy or I'm not going to drink any alcohol. Whatever it is for that person. And I had to make weight in high school. And this was in Iowa. So very competitive uh, place in the planet for wrestling. So I remember I would have to go three days with nothing and exercise, which meant no food, no water, no intake whatsoever. And then on top of that, exercise as much as you can, because then I would I think uh, I weighed one. 125 and i had to make it down to 112 in this uh uh in basically three four days joe mcbride had written a letter to uh the attorney joe mcbride had written a letter to uh powerful letter Vigano. i read that yes and then um and then vigano replied you know that that yes uh he thought that that was a great idea and that on the third fourth and fifth that um that uh, people should fast with the intention of it being for the january 6 um prisoners Okay, so not four days. I think I can do that. So it's basically starting midnight tonight. Yes. And then through the end of so third, fourth, fifth into midnight, the sixth. Yes. Oh. Yes. And, and in and in the Catholic Church, the um uh January sixth is also Epiphany. It's also um the uh the birthday of uh Saint Joan of Arc. So it's, it's, it's a big day, but, um, so that's, that is a feast day in the church. So, so that's why you're not supposed to do any, um, fasting or any, any, any kind of, uh, thing like that on, on a feast day. So that's why it's supposed to end before, before the sixth, but, um, yeah, uh, everybody that no, I think on board with that I won't them. fully commit, I will say whether or not I did it, but I think there's a very high probability I'm going to do the full Monty. Well, that's, that's pretty, that's so going to be tired. Great. I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Cause you know, I'm getting up there in years you know, as a young buck, you can do that, but that's right. Uh, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I've been so much for coming back and uh, I, I can't wait to see. Thank how you, Mel. No, thanks for, thanks for fighting. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, tough times for you personally and your family, right? Uh, my condolences and uh, you know, my heart goes out to you and I, I truly respect your fight and effort because you were there from day one. I, I always, there's very few things that I apologize for. Uh, but this is one that I do. I've said on numerous occasions, I was very focused on trying to remedy the 2020 election, thinking that when we get to that downstream, it really helps out all the, all the folks, J six defendants. And so I didn't er, initially have, uh, the bandwidth to really, I shouldn't say it that way. I was focused on that. I should have spent more time uh, and trying to get more involved on the J6 community. And so uh, thanks for you for stepping up and a lot of folks that, you know, like Dave Summerall, Stop Hate and uh, these other folks that stood 
and, and getting organized to help out uh, these folks that are, I mean, clearly Fifth Amendment due process violations left and right. And I'm just trying to do a small part and hopefully you know, the planning and thought process and, and the pushback against this tyrannical executive branch can get us to a point where there's remedy, uh, hopefully fairly soon now, two, almost two years into this abject mess uh, that have, has been created by these, I mean, let's call them what they are, absolute failed scumbags. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate your condolences and, and thanks for everything you're doing in the fight. And as I said, I, I, I hope if you're in, in D.C. on uh, on the 6th that you'll join us. We're going to be outside of the SCOTUS building at 8 a.m. And then we're going over to the Capitol for a memorial for Ashley. And uh, then we'll have our, our nightly vigil that we always have outside of the D.C. Gulag uh, from 7 to 9. Yep, I'll be there. Yeah. All right. I'll see you then. All right. Okay. Thank you so Thanks, much. Mel. Appreciate right. you. Yeah. Bye. Take care. Well, I'm talking to Barry Ramey today, and uh, he's very excited to not be in Northern Neck Regional Jail anymore. Hey, Barry, how's it going? Oh, good. Much better now. That's for sure. Like night and day. So you are in uh, Lewisburg, Pennsylvania now? Well, tell us how that is. Why, why don't you start with uh, how you found out you were being moved and, and uh, that part of the journey? A couple of the CEOs uh, came up to us um, a couple of days in advance and let us know ahead of time, the guys that were on our side that were supportive of us, um, let us know that we would be leaving there. This call is from a federal prison. You may hear that from time to time. Um, so they, uh, they came and let us know that we're on a list and that we're, that, uh, basically the jail was not happy about my newspaper article and we were going to be getting out of there. Yeah. The newspaper article was, was beautiful. And, uh, I'm so glad that happened. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so you guys got moved at like three in the morning or something like that, right? Yeah. That's traditionally how they do it there. We got, uh, woken up out of bed, shackled and chained up and, uh, loaded on a bus. Uh, the bus went to uh, Harrisburg, PA. We sat at the airport for uh, about four hours idle, and then um, we uh, headed on out to Lewisburg. Did you have any idea where you were going, or did you just not know till you got there? Basically, once we left Harrisburg, they told us we'd be going to Lewisburg. Okay, okay. And how many of there were you? Uh, and that load, the first, there was five of us. Okay. At the beginning. Okay, okay. So then what happened when you arrived? Uh, it's a, it's, first, it's a little nerve-wracking. Uh, Lewisburg's a, a big, scary-looking place from the outside. Uh, it's the original, it's the original big house. You hear, hear the term "the big house" thrown around when it comes to penitentiaries. Well, this was the original one. This is what they referred to. So we're a little uh, intimidated at first, but uh, that that subsided shortly after. Wow, that's really interesting. So that's literally where the where the name "the big house" came from. Yes, we didn't know that. We learned we learned that then. But yeah, definitely, that's where it comes from. Wow. So, uh, did you guys go through like a, a processing, or were you just immediately put into where you are now? Uh, we went through a little uh, processing. We were down uh, in a little little tiny pages for probably about mm, let's say six hours, maybe a little less. And then they uh, stripped us of our clothes, gave us new orange orange uh, clothes. I hear that orange is the new black, so we look pretty good and. Um, we uh we we're into a pretrial pretrial area pretrial detention area. Okay, and and then that's where you are now. Yeah. Okay, and this is a a pod with with only J sixers. Is that right? 
Uh, we are now the dominant um, group here, but uh, no, there's other there's other inmates. So the thing we all have in common is that we're all pre-trial. We're all, you know, we are all innocent unless proven guilty in our trials. Okay, and this is how it should have been from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Wow. So, um, so how's how's the food over there? Oh my god, it's so much better. I mean, it, it it may sound crazy, but a lot of us are, you know, we have nutrients coming back into our bodies, and there's like a whole almost toxic uh, sensation going on. We're we're allowed uh, exercise equipment to go outside. Some of us have to see out uh, the sun touch touch our skin, and over here, uh, for me, it's been six months. Um, you know, the food is phenomenal. It's uh, it's compared to what we were. You know, full meals were actually full um, when we. Uh, it's good quality. Uh, we we, uh, we uh, literally just people that are, their 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 fingernails and their hair follicles are coming back. It's just kind of kind of sad, honestly. But we're in a much better place when it comes to food here. Yeah, you guys need that vitamin D from the sun, and uh, I heard you guys even get some fresh fruit over there. Yes, yes, that's a major thing. I actually had to be reminded what a banana was. I had forgotten. So <laughs> we, had, we had a banana. We had bananas and apples every morning, you know, fresh raw fruit, um, you know, fiber. This call is from a federal prison. Fiber back in our lives. So, a little, yeah, little potassium so from that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that you guys need those nutrients. I mean, for your for your brains to function and uh your, uh, you know, just every everything to work right. So that that is amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, definitely. Did you guys get a special meal for New Year's? Uh, we did. They, they gave us beef uh, tips and rice. Um, that's pretty good. That's actually kind of one of the normal meals here. Um, on Christmas, we got a corn at ten with stuffing and uh, and uh, big portions. Everyone was full. It was uh, much better than was anything we would have. Uh, got that uh, northern neck. We, we say here that the the worst meal here at, at Lewisburg is better than the best meal at uh, at Northern Neck. Do you still feel like you need commissary just to be able to get the calories you need, or is that has that gone way down? No, that's you know that's that's uh that's not really the case here. We uh like I I ordered about thirty four ramen noodle soups my first day at commissary, and I think I've only six of them. Um, so we're a much better place than that. We, we still have to buy like warmer clothes and, uh, you know, uh, thermals and stuff like that. It can get pretty cold here, uh, shoes and stuff like that. But that's pretty typical, uh, you know, of any place. You know, they uh, they do supply us with boxers and socks and shirts, unlike Northern X. So, what about like soap and things like that? If you, they'll supply you with, um, you know, uh, state or government issued, you know, products which you know aren't, aren't the greatest. So if you want to upgrade with, uh, you know, hygiene products, you can pay for those for sure, but it's worth it. What else, what else is going on there? You guys have like TVs and. Yeah, we kind of have our own J6 TV. Uh, there's about seven, I believe, um, in the day room. And, uh, you know, we get a remote and we're able to access it. Everyone uses headphones to listen to the TV. We don't have, a, you know, not everything's loud. Uh, the, in, the other inmates here are pretty good, you know, pretty decent people. There's no conflicts of interest. Anyway, you know, with personalities or, you know, anything like that. Um, so we're a lot safer here than we were at Northern Neck, considering, you know, one out of every 10 wanted to kill us or stick us with a knife. Wow. Yeah, that's that's good news, too. So there were some yeah. uh, there were how many how many J6ers were already over there? Three before you guys. 
Yeah, I believe uh, three or four of them before we all started coming in. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think we're at about 14 now, if I'm not mistaken, give or take one or two. Okay, so so we're feeling pretty good that, that you guys are going to be staying in this one spot? Um, the A4 trial, uh, I think if you could start taking your case trial, then they'll move you out uh, possibly to Alexandria. I don't think anything's promised. But, uh, yeah, they will move you out for that. But until that, it looks like we will be staying here okay. for the okay. time being. Good. Well, how, how about the communication? How's that? Like, uh, you know, tablets, uh, phone calls? Uh, they do, you do, you can buy a tablet here, but the only thing on it is food. Uh, you can't talk on it, you can't message on it. We do have access to email, um, and we do have that at 515 minutes a month for free on the phone. That includes your lawyer and everything like that. You can't purchase anymore. So you kind of got to watch your minutes. That 515 go pretty quick, but at least we're not paying for it. You know, um, I, 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 I would imagine... Uh, not even exaggerating, I would imagine that my cost of living with my family and all that involved in helping me, I think, was close to like $10,000 for the little bit of time I was in order that between phone, commentary, uh, video visits, and whatnot. How long of a period were you there? I, I was at Northern Neck for close to six months. Okay. There's okay. guys that were there for well over a year. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, you know we're getting you guys out of there. You know, we Chris Quaglin was moved out. He's over in uh, Rappahannock now, and uh, he was just moved by himself. So uh, slowly but surely, we're getting you guys all out of there. That place is awful. Yeah, that is good. The, the work that you have done, um, and uh, John Hanks over at the Northern X Sentinel uh, has been instrumental in uh, shedding light on that place and how how egregious they are because it is. You know, like uh, one of my fellow J6 inmates has uh, put it, which was brilliant, I thought, as we walked out on the yard the first day. You know, it's a real prison yard. You've got watchtowers and razor wire fence everywhere. But even that was a sense of freedom as opposed to where we just came from. I can't even imagine. I just can't. Uh, you guys are you guys are my heroes, the way you've just uh, kept your spirits up. And, um, you know, you just keep fighting. We we love you guys. It's 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 a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, you know your your patriotism and and uh, your courage and and it's just it's it's amazing, truly. Yeah, and I you know our conditions have proved a lot from Dennett our day. There's some of these guys. I'm I'm with a lot of great guys, a lot of good patriots that love this country, and some of them have even been in D.C. and Northern Neck. And uh, our fight's not over. We're still here. We're we're at least together now where we got each other's back um but uh, our threat levels decreased a lot where they treat us pretty decent here but uh, we still got a long fight we still got a lot of legal battles to go through um it's still you know i didn't know how expensive it was to be in prison even though it's not as bad as nnr day by any means but we're still here um we're still fighting we still have our low moments we still feel forgotten sometimes you know just because it can't get lonely but uh we do know that there's a great Yeah, absolutely. And and I do encourage all of our listeners to uh, to write to these guys, to write to all of our, our political hostages. And and uh, as always, we we like to plug um, the Patriot Mail Project, and that's uh, www.patriotmailproject.com. And you can 
find uh, all the addresses and, and the names and, uh, you know, write them letters. They love to get their letters. We do. We do. Uh, that was our one minute warning. I just like to say that we're me and my fiance now are on Twitter. So if there's any of your listeners out there that would like to follow us and find us on Twitter, keep the Twitter page at Osprey underscore sensei. Osprey like the bird underscore sensei like the karate instructor. We like to keep in touch with all of our friends there. We'll definitely include that in the description as well as your your gifts and go. So thank, uh, thanks for updating us, Barry. Thank you so much. You hang in there, brother. So good to talk yeah. to you. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget to subscribe to my Rumble channel. And I now have added um, audio podcasts on all of the places that you find your podcasts, such as Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, uh, iHeartRadio, all the places. So uh, look for me there and and share our our episodes uh, everywhere you can. We got to get this information out because the only way we're going to end this is when we say no and when we get the truth out to everybody. So uh, you guys be praying for um, all of the families and the J Sixers, and let's let's keep up the prayers for uh, the right Speaker of the House to be elected because that is really going to make a huge difference in everything. We've got a lot coming up this week. Um, I'm going to try to get back in the the groove with uh, five episodes a week. And I appreciate everybody's patience and prayers and support as I've been dealing with um, a lot of family stuff. So uh, the end of this week on January 6th at 8 o'clock a.m., we're going to be meeting at uh, the SCOTUS building and uh, to give our support for the Brunson Brothers case. And then we're going to head over to the Capitol and we're going to have a memorial for Ashley Babbitt. And uh, then we'll have our, our vigil outside the D.C. Gulag. And there's I know there's a lot of uh, vigils being held at capitals across the country. So make sure you keep your eyes out for all of those. I know there's one down in Conroe, Texas. Uh, there's several other places, but, you know, keep looking for that. And uh, hopefully we can get somebody on here um, this week early who can... Um, Tell us about some of the ones that they're holding. I will see you guys tomorrow. And remember to always be bold and speak the truth. Americans for Justice, Inc. is a nonpartisan alliance that vigorously defends the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and due process across our great nation, which are pivotal to preserving life, liberty, and freedom for all. Too long we have played defense and are losing on all battlefronts through divided efforts. The root problem of election integrity, medical freedom, political prisoners, southern border crisis, CPS and APS and others is one common thing, a direct assault on the U.S. Constitution and due process. Americans for Justice is a nonprofit organization with local chapters in all 50 states, working with lawyers, legal scholars, and organizations to actively fight government overreach at all levels. Unite with us in the fight for our J6 political hostages and whatever else due process rights are violated. We ask for your support in this vital mission through a one-time donation or an ongoing membership. Go to the letter A, the number 4, justice.org. 